Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. I'm Jennifer Ross. And I'm Lexi Bear. Yes, my Bear Cub reporter and researcher, Lexi Bear. And uh, what is the fifth commandment there, Jennifer, Miss Catholic? Thou shalt not kill. No, it's not. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill is number one. Well, should be number one. It's number six. Is it's it right really? after honor thy father and thy mother. Shows you what a good Catholic I was. See, 18 years of Catholic school right down the tubes in one sentence. Well, what's interesting is that this Full Rigor podcast is about a kid who broke both those commandments. This kid, well, I, I don't know what happened to this kid, but something horrific happened to him. Either he was like this all his life and the parents ignored it, similar to our podcast last week. That's why I'm kind of doing a, yeah. You know, or. The face eater. Yeah, or the face eater, yeah, that, that he had mental health issues and they were ignored. Or this kid just snapped for whatever reason. But with Austin Harif, his parents were waiting for him to just snap out of it. This kid's parents were actually trying to get him the help that he needed. And he premeditated this, and the judge even says it. But what's interesting, we're talking about 17-year-old Tyler Hadley. This would have been back in 2011, so he's in his 20s now. But the fifth commandment is, honor thy father and thy mother. Make your mom and dad look good. Simply be a good man. Well, mm-hmm. he didn't do that. And let them know you understand what they've done for you, which they put him in rehab and they took care of him. And they lo- he said this kid beat them both over the head with a hammer. And he said he knew when he was killing them that they loved him. Isn't that? So tell me what's wrong with you. How do you do that? That's a sociopath, right? You know, yeah. I, if you're going to, yeah, that's a, that's, you have no remorse whatsoever. You don't feel any emotion whatsoever. That's a true sociopath. But it gets worse. He throws a party after he kills them. He puts the bodies in the bedroom and he throws a huge party. He puts it on Facebook and even your daughters were going to go. It, it was like once the again, party. You're... Yeah, once again, I'm re- involved in something <laughs> like this. And I can remember they were all sitting out in the back porch because my house is always like the hangout house for all the kids. So my daughter was probably a senior in high school. And my youngest was probably a freshman. So they were talking about, hey, there's this big party in Port St. Lucie, this Hadley kid. And somewhere along the line, there were like five or six of them sitting on the back table talking about going, should we go, should we go? And one of them said, you know what? I think it was my oldest. She goes, I heard this guy's a little whacked. He's a little whacked. And I was like, what do you mean he's a little whacked? They go, eh, you know, that he's done like some crazy stuff. Maybe we won't go. And that led to, okay, we won't go. And they, they did not go to the party. So... This kid had a reputation beforehand. I don't know why. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he was just crazy, you know, like acted like a goof all the time. But that's what stopped them from going. I mean, talk about intuition. Yeah, they had intuition. It's, well, Sam's pretty good at that stuff, too. But That's freaky. Weird. But she didn't know him. It was just that she had heard that he was a little whacked. So, well, it was a huge party. There were like over 100 people there. But his mom, she was a teacher, was... 47 at the time. Father Blake, 54. He worked for the power company. He beat him to death with a claw hammer in their Port St. Lucie home, July 16th, 2011. Their bodies were found in the bedroom of their Grandeur Avenue home where Hadley had hid them and to throw his party. He invited everyone on Facebook, which your daughter saw. Okay, so l- l- and maybe I'm getting out of turn here. Who did he kill first? The mom and the father comes out and goes, why? Why, Tyler? Why? And then he hits him in the head. He separated them, and he got their phones. He, you'll hear. He premeditated this. Whole, it was nefarious. But he became a celebrity because when this story hit, right. he wrote a letter to a friend. He goes, I was the second most popular story after the economy. And he says he responds to fan letters and signs Hambo 
and signs his autographs to other inmates, Hammer Time. Oh, my God. He's also known as Bam Bam. (laughs) Well, this seems like a common thread. A lot of killers love notoriety. Well, he loved this. Well, like my cats, Eric and Lyle. Look at the Mendez brothers. They started this years ago. Killed their parents. You know, shot them with, I don't know how many times, like 50 times each. Blew them away. Then went on a party for like two and a half months before the cops finally figured out that it was the kids that killed the parents. Spending spree. Oh, they bought Rolexes. They bought cars. They got a condo. I mean, they lived a very lavish life. And then when they were in prison, they ended up getting married. Women were throwing themselves at these guys. Well, that's a whole disorder that women have. But, you know, what's interesting, again, the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. Why why do these kids, what have their parents done to them? I mean, if you look at your own parents, I mean, you know, it's not a perfect home life, but you're not going to kill them. Uh, you know, you know I, I, I don't know where this the switch got turned somewhere along the line. Well, look what they, how, they, how the kids today treat cops. There's no respect. There's no fear. There's no respect. Teachers, same thing. Ask any teacher. Half of them fear for their lives when they're walking through a parking lot because they're afraid some kid that they failed is going to come beat them up. It's nuts. So when he was asked why he killed his parents, Tyler said, the devil is drugs and money. That's why I killed my parents. And he listened to a song over and over before the murder called Testimony. Lexi, uh, tell me a little bit about it. I mean, it's quite disturbing. I looked up the lyrics and it kind of makes sense. He was trying to hype himself up. Apparently he did drugs before the murder. Yeah, he did ecstasy. When they came to the door, he was like rubbing his hands together, then clenching his fists, and his pupils were really big. And he was blasting the music, apparently jumping up and down beforehand, but he was listening to multiple songs by Lil Boozy, but in testimony, the lyrics that were really strange to me were, This is my testimony. I'm so obsessed with money. I gotta keep a weapon on. Had a little man ego. Well, that's both telling and fitting. He did have a little ego, a little man ego. Takes a little man to kill your parents with a hammer. And then the other song they said he was listening to, Feel Lucky, the lyrics also are kind of interesting. I feel lucky, I feel lucky. No Professor Doom's gonna stand in my way. Mmm, I feel lucky today. Maybe his mom is Professor Doom standing in his way for taking his cell phone and trying to discipline him. Let, let me take your phone away so I can beat you with a claw hammer. No, that they put sense. him in rehab. He comes home from rehab drunk. And climbs through a window, they find him. So then they're like so really upset and they take rehab. his phone again. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're supposed to do, aren't you? Well, well, yeah, As a parent? Well. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, you're a logical child. <laughs> I mean, so. I wasn't back then. <laughs> do you take your kids' cell phones away or did you? No, you know what? I took their doors off their rooms, though. <laughs> uh, my kid, you know, cell phones, it was, it was with my kids, same as yours, because mine are older. And it was like when they were 14, I need a cell phone. I'm like, who well, says you need a cell phone? <laughs> uh, you know, this, I'm God, and in this house, God says no. And the only reason, really, honestly. In honest, this house, God says no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but that's usually, I, I say it till this day, as a matter of fact. I'm God, and in this house, God says no. So if you're God, can you make a stone, and you can do everything, can you make a stone so heavy that you can't pick it up? No. But no. you're God. Well, you can do everything. In my, only in my house. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> My mom did the same thing with the door. She took it off? <laughs> she did. Oh, you really? were a hellion, too. My oldest was so bad. She, we, I mean, she used to sneak out in the middle of the night. And she knew that I got up at like 2 o'clock, so she was always home at like one fifty-five. She'd wait. She knew exactly my alarm. So when I figured it out, so one day I got up at one forty-five and sat on the porch and waited. was not a pretty picture. No, well, nothing good happens past 11 o'clock. No. You asked to go to a party, right? A re- oh, man. Mom, I'm sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to go to a teen club in Boca back before Uber. So I told my parents I was going to the movies and me and my girlfriend took a cab from the movies to the teen club in Boca. But then I ran out of money. So I had to call my cousin to pick us up. And we didn't know if we were going to make it or not. And I was so scared to get in trouble. Oh, so you didn't make it back in time. I did. did. You, you did? Again, I'm sorry, Mom. But oh, it would have just been easier to thing. just do it the whole other way. Was it worth going? Yeah. Oh. But you said something interesting. You said when they are good to you, then you it makes you want to push. <sighs> well, I'm not a parent, but as a kid, when I'm told no, I want to do it twice as much. It's like what you tell them anything forbidden is what you want. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but the kids can't say yes to everything. Of course you not. Know? I mean, or you'd have like you know you'd have Mercedes Benz and Rolls Royce. And, I mean, you know, I never wanted night. to kill my parents when they took my phone or said no. So I don't yeah, really think that? it's an excuse. Who connects those dots and goes to okay, you're done? Which is why I think there was something mentally unstable with this child. Well, here this is his best friend, Michael Mandel. He was the one that Tyler then actually told toward the end of the party that, hey, man, I killed my parents. And they're in the bedroom. And he said... He said, no, you didn't. Shut up. <laughs> oh, my God. I would, too, though. No, it was my shut, best friend. Shut up. So he says, he says to his best friend, I just killed my parents, and the kid says, no, you didn't. Shut up. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that would be like you telling me you killed somebody. Yeah. I don't know. You shut didn't. Up. Shut up. Well, then after that, he take, he said, he says, look, look in the driveway. First of all, would my parents allow me to have this party? Second of all, why are there cars parked in the driveway? Then he takes him in the garage and he shows him a bloody footprint. And then Michael's starting to get sick to his stomach. He takes him to the bedroom where the bodies are. Oh, my God, this poor kid. And after after all this, he agrees to take a selfie with Tyler. Why did you take this picture? Because I knew it was going to be the last time I ever seen him. I knew I was going to call the cops on him when I took that picture. Look at the picture. Am I smiling? Is Tyler smiling? You know, it's a very sad picture. I don't look happy at all. When I took the picture, I already seen them, seen the bodies. God. You can see the photo on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast, and it's quite chilling. I remember the picture. Yeah, he's got the red plastic cup. What are you doing? That party lasted like till four or five o'clock in the morning, didn't it? I mean, it went late. And then he wanted to have another one. Well, then what he did is he went on Facebook and said, actually, that was at 4.30. He goes, another party tonight, but this Michael had called the police. Thank God this kid called the cops. Yeah. So what happened? Tyler, he's very tall and skinny. He's very distinctive looking, kind of cadaverous, six feet tall, 160 pounds. School, he was quiet. He was like approaching nonverbal. And he was prone to sudden nonsensical outbursts in class. That may be what your daughters were referring to. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's that pseudo bulbard effect that the Joker has where they just laugh out loud. Right, maybe. Tyler held a party, which his parents would never have allowed. He answered the door wearing a black T-shirt, black Dickies, and black Nike Air Force high-top sneakers. He was anxious. He was on ecstasy. I've never tried it, so I don't know what it does for you. But his pupils were fully dilated. He kept rubbing his hands together and then clenching his fists. Well, maybe that's what it does to you. Maybe it's like Coke. I don't know. Speed you up. Then he was asked if there were any house rules by the kids that were showing up. And he goes, nope, do whatever you want. Initially, he goes, no, no smoking in the house. And he goes, oh, never mind. Go ahead. It's all right. <laughs> Are there any rules? No. No. Do what you no want. No house rules. Okay, yeah, sure. House rule. You ever been, have you ever seen today? I mean, not when we were kids, Karen, but today, a party with teenagers and you tell them no house rules? You wouldn't have a house left. Oh, I know. They would just, the kids have well, no that's regard basically what happened. for anybody else's property. 
Oh, did they destroy the house, too? Well, get this. One boy, he had taken off his shirt and went out of the house screaming, returned with the neighbor's mailbox over his head, going, woo-hoo-hoo. Oh and he goes, where gosh. the f*** did you get that? Oh, my God. And he goes, I took it from the neighbor's lawn. And Tyler starts screaming, stealing a mailbox is a felony. So he's worried about the mailbox theft, but he's really worried that cops will show up. So the kid runs back and puts the mailbox back in their yard. Okay. But what are... about the double homicide in the bedroom? Yeah. What about the two bodies that you left there? <laughs> That's nothing. Go ahead. You can trash the house, though. Why didn't anybody go in the bedroom? Well, someone did. So what happened was, by the way, um, there was two dogs there, too. There were two dogs there. A black Labrador named Sophie and then a partially deaf and blind beagle that was hiding in the bedroom. Poor thing. With the dead bodies? Yeah, no, I think I in his brother's them. room. Okay. His brother's six years older, Ryan. And he'd moved to North Carolina six weeks earlier to attend college. This is part of the timing that Tyler waited until he moved out to do this. That's how long he was planning on it. This is horrifying. Yeah. So, poor parents. One kid noticed that the door to the master bedroom was closed. Assuming there were people inside getting high, he tried to enter, but it was locked. Aha. Uh-huh. And it was dark in the house, but he noticed like a black smear about a foot long under the door jam, and it looked like an oil based paint that someone had tried to wipe away. Blood. Yes. Oh. Ugh, how disgusting. And then his friend Mark Andrews was leaving the party, and Tyler asked if he could speak to him privately. And Tyler went outside and ordered all the kids standing there to go back in the house. And once everyone was inside, he turned to Mark and he goes, Dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. And Mark's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, I freaking killed somebody. Oh, my God. Dude, you killing somebody is your own business. Don't be telling me this sort of thing. I don't need to know. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> What do I always tell you? You don't want to get caught for a crime. Don't tell anybody about it. Oh, the kid's like, not my circus, not my monkeys. Yeah, and then he goes, thanks Literally. for ha- <laughs> not my circus, not my monkeys. I like that line. He goes, thanks for having us over, and thanks for the beer. And he took off. Really? Yeah. So did that kid say anything? No. But this guy just tells him, I, ki- I killed somebody, and he doesn't he goes, call don't the tell cops. Me. Nope. He didn't no. want to be involved. I mean, talk about red flags. Before this party, Jeez. he was hanging out at a friend's house, and he blurted out in the middle of a conversation that he wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after. And he wants to throw a party with the body still in the house. So he told his friends this before. Yeah, but you know what? I've, I've been with people, I mean, even when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, they said some crazy stuff in front of me. That's but you don't, crazy. You don't, ta- you don't take it for granted. You don't say think it's real. You know, I want to go kill my parents and have a party. You go, yeah, sure, sure, idiot, whatever you want. But nobody paid attention. Finally, about 1 a.m., Tyler asked his friend Michael Mandel, that's the best friend, to walk outside the house so they could speak privately. And they walked down the street to the stop sign, and he says... The one that was ripped out of the ground? Oh, that was a mailbox. Yeah, he goes, I killed my parents. Wow. And he said... No, you didn't. Shut up. (laughs) No, you didn't shut up. Yeah, Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying to you. If you look closely enough, you can see the signs. And then he took him to the driveway, showed him the cars. There was a black Tacoma truck. And then also the mother's car was there, the Ford Expedition. If my parents weren't home, why are there cars here? And, and Michael's my, like, why would I have Burr? a party? Yeah. So then he opened the garage door and he showed him the bloody footprint. And then he took him into the bedroom and... He unlocked the door, opened it, and Michael saw dining room chairs, blood-soaked towels stacked in a huge pile. At the bottom of the pile, emerging from the debris, lay a thick white leg. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? 
That poor kid. He's, he's scarred for he life, too. He says it's ruined his life. Yeah. So Tyler told Michael what happened. He said shortly before 5 that he hid his parents' cell phones so that they couldn't call for help. Wow. He listened to Feel Lucky, a song by rapper Lil Boozy, to psych him up. He took three pills of ecstasy because he worried that he couldn't kill his parents while sober. Okay. Like you do. And in the garage, he found a claw hammer. He then returned to the house. He stood behind his mother while she was working on the family computer. She's a teacher, mind you. And for a full five minutes, he stood there thinking about what he was about to do. His mother didn't realize she was, he was standing behind her? Then he raised the claw end uh, of the hammer and brought it down on Mary Jo's head. Ouch. And she screamed out, why? And like I said, he said oh when God. he was doing it, he knew she loved him. Then hearing the wife screams, Blake Hadley ran out from the master bedroom. He's a very big guy, six feet tall, 300 pounds, or was. And Yeah, how could he not beat this kid? Nothing could I, have prepared him for what he saw. They locked eyes for several moments, and he goes, why, why, Tyler? And he goes, why the f*** not? Wow. He kept repeating this question while he beat his father to death with the claw end of the hammer, and then Tyler pantomime swinging the hammer for Michael. He was telling him how he did it. Wow. He wrapped their heads in towels, dragged them to the master bedroom. The bodies lay side by side, face down, the hammer on the ground between them. It took three hours to clean up the blood and gore. And actually, it was a lot longer than he anticipated. Go back to our earlier podcast on how to <laughs> clean up, up blood. But the, yeah. Anyway. Wow. How to get rid of a body. And then he threw every piece of incriminating evidence he could find in the bedroom, burying the corpses beneath the pile of broken dishes, shattered glass, bloody towels, pillowcases, books, a coffee table, Jeez. a sponge mop, Clorox wipes, a canister of coffee grounds. He took a shower and then he told Michael he stared at his reflection in the bathroom mirror and laughed. Oh, he is like the Joker. For me, it's like, why? With the Menendez brothers, they claimed sexual assault and, you know, the whole financial motive. For Tyler, really, bro? You got your cell phone taken? Yeah, well, this kid had some issues. There's no doubt about it. Wow. Yeah, but, you know, you do something like that. Even on ecstasy, I'm, I'm reading about ecstasy, by the way. Oh, good. It, it just gives, it, usually you end up getting, like, really hot. You get the jitters, you hallucinate. Oh, So and he took three. Yeah, he might have been, maybe he was just hallucinating. I don't know. But it's, it's it's to kill your parents? How do you hallucinate about that? Well, here's a weird part of it. The weekend before the party, Tyler went with his father and grandfather to a family reunion in Georgia. It was a time for us to enjoy family from Indiana, Minnesota, and Florida, recalls the grandfather. I didn't see any indication that there were any problems between Tyler and his parents. Wow. When I was watching Dateline, one of the friends, I can't identify who he is, but... He said that he was doing drugs and partying before his parents found out. And then once his parents found out, they were actually trying to help him and do what parents do. And Tyler didn't like that very much. Yeah, they sent him to rehab, which apparently yeah, he bless. left. Yeah. <laughs> so at 4.40 a.m. the morning of the party, he posted another message on the Facebook wall. Party at my house again, HMU. What does that mean? Hit, Hit me, me up. up. Jinx. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> Tell me a you Coke. I knew that. Jeez, I feel like an idiot. So the party would have gone on forever, apparently, but the police knocked on the door. They were standing outside his front door. Michael Mandela's best friend had called Crime Stoppers, the hotline, and told them everything. 
Good for this kid. Wow. What but a- how messed up is this kid, though? Your best friend comes to you, Lexi, and says, I just killed my parents. What are you going to do? And I would say, you no, bodies. you didn't. Shut up. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I, I My best friend, we've been best friends since we were five. If she did that, I would not believe it in a million years. Well, he says I still don't believe it. Still to this day, I'll never see Tyler as a murderer. He is my long, you know, longtime childhood friend, and that's all I'm ever going to see him as for the rest of my life. To this day, his best friend Michael doesn't think Tyler's a killer. Well, maybe that's how he copes with it. You know, you look at your best friend as a double murderer who killed, brutally beat his parents to death. That's kind of hard to deal with. You can only see it yeah. one way. So let me look at him as my best friend who just went away. So the police knocked on the door, rang the bell. There was no answer, but they could see him through the window, Tyler, walking away from the door. And the rest of the lights in the house went out. Then he opened the door. He was wearing a black shirt, black shorts, and his left hand was hidden behind his back. Why? Ooh, I wonder if he was trying to do death by cop. So the officers drew a gun. He ordered Hadley to put his hands up and step out of the house. The officers checked for weapons, ordered him to the ground, and handcuffed him. Wow. And that was that. And apparently the house looked like a bomb blew up. Empty beer bottles, red plastic solo cups everywhere on the counters and floors. Uh. There were pots and pans on the kitchen counter. Tyler's bedroom floor was littered with unraveled cigars. On his bed were 15 empty beer bottles and a woman's purse. The furniture in the brother's old bedroom was turned over. The floor was covered with clothing and bedding. Locked inside a closet, they found the black lab. Oh, poor thing. The cops passed through the kitchen and approached the master bedroom. It was locked. They noticed streaks of dry blood on the frame and baseboards. They forced the knob and forced the door open. And the dead couple was found in the master bedroom. The bloodied claw hammer placed between their bodies. Wow. Did he admit to it? Kind of hard not to at that point, but I mean... Is he remorseful? No, and a fellow inmate later testified that Tyler claimed that he had begun to plan the murder and the party three weeks before it happened, and he said, quote, you should have come to the party. It was awesome. Wow. This kid's a true sociopath then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he was sentenced to life without parole, but that was when he was 17 and Florida passed a new law. Lexi, I think you have something on that. Karen, the law was passed in 2014 and the state Supreme Court unanimously ruled that all of Florida's juvenile killers who received automatic sentences of life in prison must be resentenced. He had to be resentenced. For about 20 years before that, Florida mandated a life sentence for juveniles convicted of first-degree murder. And here's what the judge said in the resentencing. As to risks of his plan failing, he made sure there would be none. By waiting for his brother to move out, by choosing his weapon beforehand, waiting for his parents to separate into different rooms, and by hiding their cell phones, he cleverly minimized any possible chance of failure. And he also said, as I said, that when he was killing them, he knew that they loved him. And the judge said there was no impulsivity. His crimes were simply not impulsive. They were not triggered by any one event. They were planned carefully. Hadley did what he had long wanted to do. Impulsivity is simply irrelevant. Wow. So he was resentenced to life in prison in December of 2018. By That was Judge Gary Sweet. And he's continued his education. He passed his GED. He scored a 2100 on the SAT, which when you and I took it, it only went up to what, 1200? <laughs> Or 1,400. 1,400. What did no, he get on it? 2,100. Oh, yeah, there's, there's extra parts now, right? There's four parts now? I think there's four. I we only so. had two. 
So 20, well, if that's the case, seven times four, 2,800 is the best you could do. You did pretty well. I think it's 2,400. I'm not really? taking it he, in a while. He reads all day Harry Potter books, anything by James Patterson. Um, he's been meeting with a priest. Yeah, they all find God. Yeah. So, But he's not going anywhere, right? No. He's, he, what he got now in the resentencing, he got two consecutive life sentences. But after 25 years... According to the new Florida statute, they have to look at possibility of parole. After 25 years. Yeah. Even though he's got two consecutive, he'll be in for at least 50 years. But after 25 years, they'll look at it again. But uh, be the, almost, what, 80? I hope he never comes out. Hadley's defense had pushed for a 40-year oh. concurrent sentence. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, can you change after you kill somebody? I don't know. I never killed anybody, so I can't answer that question. But his yeah. brother, as I said, Ryan uh, Hadley, six years older, he's the one that moved out and was in college. Mm-hmm. He was asked by the court what he thought about his brother, and he said, throw the book at what him. What I want is for him to get the maximum penalty possible, which I understand is life in prison without parole. Wow. So Jeez. the sentencing includes the automatic review after 25 years, which started from the time he was first arrested in 2011. And that's when the judge will determine if the life terms are still appropriate based on his conduct and behavior in prison and whether or not his sentence should be reduced. So some people are saying, look, there's absolutely a chance that in 25 years, somebody will be back in this courtroom and will be doing this all over again. Wow. No, they, I, I don't think this kid's ever going to be right. Once a sociopath, always a sociopath. I don't think he could fix it. Still to this day, I'll never see Tyler as a murderer. Hmm. Ah, we do. Well, moving, do. moving on to our kicker. Did you, you have any other questions about no, he's, Tyler? He's creepy. He's the, he's the, yeah, we got uh, to... Hammer a, time. <laughs> hammer goodbye. Bam, bam. So a Florida family adopted a six-year-old child from Ukraine or... Is she a 30-year-old dwarf that wanted to kill him? I remember this story. They left her, right? They feared for their life. They said, like, she was standing over them while they were sleeping, saying, like, you're next or something. Only in Florida. They changed her age. Well, from 8 to 22 legally, and then they left. Well, she's she's three feet tall. (laughs) She suffers from a rare form of dwarfism, just to clarify. So you've got midgets, like in The Wizard of Oz. Everything's, like the same size all things being equal the, right the head everything but a dwarf like peter what's his name dinklage yeah from he's got the big head Tyrion, and then Tyrion, game yeah, of thrones and right. they also have big regular sized genitals by the way but the rest is very small so that's a dwarf that's the difference that's why he's so popular in hollywood <laughs> sorry <laughs> my best friend charles oakenfuss when i was a kid his brother was a dwarf anyway who my charles oakenfuss my best friend Oaken, do you still talk to Charlie no. Oakenfuss? <laughs> Good, thank God. What a name. So this kid's from Ukraine and um, suffered from this rare form of dwarfism. And she's the center of this extraordinary criminal case. And her adoptive parents, Christine and Michael Barnett, they're now divorced, are charged with neglect for moving to Canada without her in 2013. But they had a reason. So Christine's 45, the ex-husband now, 43-year-old Michael Barnett, charged with abandoning their daughter when she was nine in Lafayette, Indiana, and fleeing to Canada. Well, Christine is denying this. She says that 
She and Michael were victims of fraud. They claimed that the girl that they adopted was an adult dwarf con artist that tried oh, to kill them. Oh, my God. <laughs> like that movie Orphan? Yeah, see, that's what I said. That, that oh. Orphan movie comes up all a lot. Karen's never seen it. That no, was a creepy, that movie creepy movie. Me out. Okay. Yeah, it's a creepy movie. Um, so Christine and Michael agreed to the emergency adoption of the Ukraine-born Natalia Grace. Why was it an emergency what, adoption, what did they say? I don't know. So this was in 2010 from Florida, and we're told she was six years old. Within a year, Christine claims Natalia tried pushing her into an electric fence. <laughs> well, that wouldn't have killed her. Poured bleach into her coffee. Oh, well, that would have. <laughs> and threatened to stab them in their sleep. Oh, great. It is the orphan. <laughs> so Natalia was treated by mental health experts who determined she was an adult and pressed for the courts to have her birth certificate changed. They did bone scans on her, too, by the way. So in 2012, Marion County Superior Court in Indianapolis, I decided that they had moved to Indiana, obviously, that she was born in 1989 based on medical evidence. I mean, she had her period and she had pubic hair and she had all kinds of stuff going on. At, at eight years old or seven years old or whatever. So she was an older person. We don't know. Well, it's possible. My friend got her period in fourth grade, but research says it could start as early as eight and as late as 13 or 14. September 11th, affidavit of probable cause states that experts carried out bone density tests on Natalia in 2010 and concluded she was eight. What? What? Which one is it? That's the question of the hour. So what happened? These people feared for their lives from this kid, which they found out, which they believed was an adult. Couldn't you take somebody to a doctor and say, tell me how old this person is? No, I mean, it's not like a tree. Test? You cut their arm off and count the rings. <laughs> I mean, isn't there a way to do I can, it? I don't know. Yeah, it's like a blood weird. Test you would think, or yeah, blood test would like you know you're not going to have certain hormones in well, your body if you're a kid. Well, she had her period. So the Daily Mail report that Will Stewart and Svetlana Scarbo Bless and you. Ben Ashford found a woman claiming to be Natalia's birth mother in Ukraine, and she told the site that her daughter is a child and that she was forced to put her up for adoption because of the girl's physical disability. So that was the rush, rush. And God bless this couple for, you know, taking this on. Wow. I'm sure Joe Biden's son had something to do with it. <laughs> Just kidding. So the rest of the family moved to Canada so that the couple's eldest son, a physics prodigy, could study at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Ontario, for God's Jeez. sake. That's what they all say. He's got to be very bright. Wow. Yeah. During the investigation, the Barnetts told authorities that they paid rent for Natalia's apartment for a year, set her up with social security disability income, which is enough to live on, food stamps, but did not provide any other care for her. Well, they thought she was 30 years old. Court records show that Natalia was evicted in 2014 in September of that year, and she contacted police and claimed the Barnetts abandoned her. Wow. So now they're facing counts, two counts of neglect of a dependent, which they pled not guilty to. The trial date has been set for January 28th, 2020. This is still going on. Oh, my God. So, But there's somewhere along the line, there's got to be an expert who can tell you exactly how old this person is. No, there's no scientific test to determine someone's age if they're alive. She's living with a new family, right? So we don't know where she is today residing, but there's several news outlets that claim that she's in the care of a couple who petitioned for guardianship for her in 2016. I think she's in Indiana. I don't know. I'm not positive, but I think... She's in Indiana with another couple. Is she standing over their bed while they're sleeping, threatening to kill them? Maybe she likes them. <laughs> this is another case of two people trying to do the right thing and be parents. And, and you get a crazy kid. But, you know, is this, if it's an older person, then she's a con artist. So next week, Jen, uh -oh. Lexi and I will be 
with you delving into the brutal murders of one Ted Bundy who was fried in Florida's electric chair, as I we know. I turned off my lights, actually, the day it happened. They brought his body to Gainesville, and they snapped pictures of him in the morgue. I remember that? That was a big deal. That was a big deal. So be watching on Instagram at Full Rigger Podcast for photos of Bundy's victims because they look exactly like Lexi. Uh, We're going to put both pictures up. Glad he's gone, man. You, you know I what? Say. I remember a lot of his victims. You're right. You do look like a lot of them. That's why it freaks me out. Wow. Yeah. So we'll have that coming up next time on Full Rigor. But until then, thank you, Jen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Lexi. Thanks for having me, guys. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.